Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bunkhouse. I'm your host, John. Today's episode features a special guest. He's been on in a group setting before, but now got him in here talking talking to us, telling us about himself and sharing his story with everybody, giving some really good advice. So on to the show. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bunkhouse. Um, I have my next guest here is Kyle. Um, Kyle actually was one of the guests on my last episode, and that's kind of what kind of drove to having him as a single guest um, talking about his stuff. So Kyle, if we go ahead and introduce yourself and then kind of tell the listeners a little bit about you. Awesome. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. Uh, it was great being on last time and looking forward to this one as well. My name is Kyle Moschetto. No one can ever pronounce my last name, so I generally kind of go by Camo in my professional life at this point. I was a U.S. Marine for just under 12 years. I started out enlisted and was a chief warrant officer too when I got out and was focused on uh, IT, nerdery, and cyber operations for my entire time. I tell everyone I kind of started installing Windows and configuring Cisco <laughs> devices and got out doing cyber networking attack and defense <laughs> packages. So uh, it was a whole gamut, but the sort of like highlight of the learning of my career is I got to uh, help build, run, design all the things for the entire network for the Afghanistan Camp Leatherneck and beyond example and environment in 2010, 11, 12, which was kind of like the the most complicated thing I've ever really worked on myself. And anyone who was out there during that time knows it was complicated. And, you know, <laughs> all the joint interactions and we were, you know, we were building data centers that were like shipping containers that we'd ordered from overseas, these uh, giant crazy boxes. We were having to troubleshoot you know, microwave shots and <laughs> telephones. Um, I did some fun stuff. Like I rickrolled 1200 people on April Fool's Day by changing the VoIP <laughs> phone ringers to be uh, Rick Astley. You know, it was it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And so that's kind of my, my real long introduction to who I am military-wise. And then uh, I got out in early 2013 and uh, have been just inside of cloud technology and and running ops shops for a while. So first couple jobs out, I was sort of bouncing around getting and stumbled into cloud technology, uh, got into AWS and worked in AWS every day for five years, worked for a really cool fitness company that I'm sure if anyone knows me knows exactly what I'm talking about here, uh, <laughs> but uh, got to kind of redo how an entire company does their cloud presence and learned a ton along the process. And then I worked for a couple other small startups uh, uh, and mid-sized companies getting into more Google cloud focused areas of the world. I started my own consulting business, uh, ran that for a couple of years. Uh, focusing on security and disaster recovery and compliance and uh, really, really not sexy, not fun <laughs> acronyms like GDPR and CCPA and PCI and all these other things. And then now I work for a really large company that does Google Cloud professional services. Uh, I have an immense privilege of a really, really awesome team, the smartest people I've ever worked with in my whole life, uh, all, all teams considered. I did work for Google for a couple of years before this. <laughs> um, these are the smartest humans I've ever met. I learned something new every single day. Uh, one of my life mottos is if you're the smartest person in the room, time to find a new room. I'm telling every, every listener on here, <laughs> I am not the smartest person in any room at my day job, which is awesome. <laughs> and so that's me in a nutshell, man. And you and I have known each other for a while. And, yep. uh, uh, you know, we go, we go way back as the kids say these days. <laughs> um, and yeah, just stoked to be here. 
Man, I appreciate you being on, man. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you on here. So what's uh, new in the world, buddy? What are we what are we here to talk about today? So one, I want to say happy new years. It is 2023. Yes. It's only been it's only been 2023 for eight hours for me right now. We're, we're recording this <laughs> early on New Year's Day, which in hindsight may not have been the best logistic choice. But uh, <laughs> I've got a toddler now, so that means I'm, I'm in bed like early, early. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, even though my kids are a little older, still the same thing. I'm still yep. in bed fairly early. And yeah, we were talking last night. I, I really feel like as solidarity with our uh, brothers and sisters overseas, I'm going to start celebrating New Year's with London. You know, it's like, like five, or six, yeah, five or six p.m. You know, you could celebrate yeah. over a meal, and then and then I want to go to bed like an old person at like yeah. eight to nine o'clock and just be happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. staying up till midnight's for the young folk. Oh, absolutely is. Like we stay, we stayed and watched uh, the Georgia game last night. Georgia and Ohio State. Oh yeah, big drama. <laughs> it was on so late, I didn't even get to watch the ball drop because yep. it literally didn't until after midnight. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was crazy but no i'm i'm starting a new session of this podcast this year which is nice um okay. and it's going to talk more about mental health side of things ah very so, important yeah so i'm yep. I, i've gotten big into that over the last six months really trying to get integrated into that and staying active with with the veteran community and stuff and specifically with mental health and everything because i think that's that's a big thing for our generation I, one thing I did start noticing before I retired back in May is that the culture and the mindset for mental health and being honest and open about your mental health has started to sway in, in a good way, mm-hmm. which I think is extremely important for the, the members in the military because, you know, us growing up when we did, you didn't talk about it, didn't talk about your feelings, didn't talk about what was bothering you. If you let it show that something was bothering you, it made you weak and you couldn't perform, right? So you just bottled it up. You never talked about it. And then it would come out in a very bad way most of the time when it did yep. come out. And I think that's the reason there's a lot of veteran suicide these days with our generation is because of the culture that got that was just embedded in that and how they handled mental health. Yeah, I got out in 2013. Um, and I will say that I I feel in hindsight that I was on the cusp of this shift in the VA and how they treated mental health, yep. uh, especially for like OIF, OEF veterans at the time. Yep. And and John, I do a bunch of volunteer work for veterans in the Colorado area where I'm from. Uh, there's an organization called Salute Colorado. Uh, oh, cool. Huge shout out to the Salute crew. Um, and we do basically small business, entrepreneurial, and and sort of like transitioning service members. Um, there's two programs um, yeah. that, that we, we work for here. And one of the things that I tell a lot of the vets that I'm interacting with is, you know, when I got out, I was offered a lot of mental health services. Right. And I think, I don't think I know, I was super dumb. And that I said, I don't, nah, that stuff's not for me. I'm, I'm okay. You know, uh, I, yep. I, I'm doing just fine. And the reality is no, I, I absolutely wasn't. I paid a lot of the prices for that myself personally. And I have had to learn the hard way about mental health services and how valuable they are. And I will sing it from every rooftop <laughs> that I possibly can. Like I see a personal counselor every week. Like, uh, you know, I deal with anger management. The vast majority of the books that I read now are not technical books. They're not like how to do technology X, Y, Z. It's like stoic philosophy and, right. you know, um, mental health, the Buddhist way. And, you know, all these different oh, yeah. things that are just very, very introspective, you know, stress reductions at work, time management, things that are all about making my life 
less stressful and being able yeah. to enjoy the ride because that's what I think I I personally miss out on a lot from that is you know and we're we're getting into this obviously but like when I got back from my second year long deployment which was from in Afghanistan you know I I'd been working you know 12 18 hour days for 360 days yeah. uh with a real small break there MWR you know uh, home <laughs> trip in the middle right. that you know are always don't get me wrong. I loved being able to go home and see my family and my kids and everything, but they are, they are, um, they're their own version of stressful in the moment because you, you break away from this incredible routine that you are locked in on and you go back to where, as I always describe it, you know, when you're gone from your family, they have a huge puzzle with one missing piece right in the middle. It's super obvious, Yep. but with us, we are just the piece and so we have to fit ourselves into a new puzzle. And so when we leave, it's like our whole world shifts and then it's it's shifts for two weeks and you got to do a hard pivot. And then you got to come back and do a hard pivot. Yeah. But, and I really did not adjust well coming back after all of that. Right. I was, I was, yeah. it was my uh, first tour as an officer and, and, it, you know, it's just the stress levels were really, really high and yeah, it, it was really hard to come back and be effective. And I wish that I would have taken advantage of a lot more of those systems that were available to me at the time, but it's never too late. Uh, no, I mean not. that never too late. Yeah. If, if anyone ever wants any book recommendations, hit me up on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'll happily shoot <laughs> you over like everything in my life. I have a spreadsheet for that and I'll just share links <laughs> to it. It's all, you know, publicly viewable. So it works out well. And, uh, um, and I'll make sure and put all his links and everything, Kyle's links and everything in the show notes too. So we'll, we'll, you'll be able to get a hold of me in almost every way possible. Yep. Kind of back to what you were talking about, like going back home for those two weeks. One, another thing that I'm, I want to try start doing with like my second session is, also talking about what it does to the families too, because that I don't think that gets brought to light enough is how it affects the spouses, the children, because yeah, it affect it, it affected you going home for those two weeks. Right. But could you, oh like, yeah, they had their own routine going on too. And now yep. you're trying to fit yourself back into it and yep. it completely messes a lot of things up, even for them, not just for us. And that's one thing I've started noticing too, um, kind of getting up to my retirement and after retirement is, I haven't been deployed since 2012, like to a combat, like a combat yep. deployment. That's a long time. And I would say over the last four years, I'd been home the most because from 2012 up to four years ago, still going to the field a lot, still being yep. away from home a lot. Right. Yep. And then getting selected for warrant officer and then school. Na- all those things, it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, Got to the fleet in 2000, 2019, January 19, as a brand new woe. But the thing is, though, like, and you know this too, like, that's a completely, that's, that is an op tempo shift sometimes, like, especially when you're back in garrison, like, because nobody's going to hold your hand about PT. Nobody's going to hold your hand about your work schedule, about you getting stuff done, right? So it's all on you. And if you don't get it done, then you get held accountable for it. Right. Like, nobody's going to hold your hand. So, yeah. I was home a little bit more because, Nobody was appointed at the time, especially from Lejeune, right? And so most of the stuff that was coming up through the summertime had already been planned because they actually followed a planning process and did pretty decent planning. So you're planning ahead. So I didn't really have a lot to do per se. So I was home a lot more and getting myself back into even then getting into a routine at home with the family is hard, right? Especially now that I work from home. Oh right? man, yeah. So like that. <laughs> so I will say like that was an eye opener once I retired and started working from home, and being literally at home every single day, all day. My what? My wife. She was like, you know what? 
I need to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> I literally that, a I mean, little that, space here. That's what we that's need. Okay. Right. Right. And and, totally. and that's perfect. And that's and that's actually a healthy thing is mm-hmm. is, is is space, right? I like, agree. So but no, like that's that's another thing I want to bring to light too with some of my stuff is what it does to the families, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you brought up a ton of stuff there that resonated with me. I'll I'll start with the easy stuff and we'll get to the, the difficult <laughs> stuff here in a sec, but I vividly remember the first like check-in meeting that I had as a warrant officer when I first got to the fleet with yeah. um, this captain that was, I think, the opso for the unit that I was with. And I like walked into his office and sat down and, you know, coming from enlisted, it was like, I'm in the captain's office. I need to oh, be yeah. kind of like on my game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was the most chill meeting. <laughs> and and he was like, yeah, you know, we've, we've got, I, I, I remember the problem that he asked me to consult on was, they wanted to live stream uh, people's getting off the plane when they were coming oh, back yeah. from Afghanistan. Yep. Um, and like, this is 2010, right? So this is pre like YouTube live and all that. <laughs> I'm about to say, there's not a lot of technology back then. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, you were like piecing some weird stuff together and he was basically <laughs> yep. like, yeah, we're, we're just trying to figure this out. So like, that's really the big, thing i want to know if you can help us out with here is can you talk to some people and see how we might be able to do this and, and get this <laughs> live stream and i was like yeah sure he's like all right just like you know give me a call every friday and let me know what what's going on and and you know other than that just work on your check-in for a while and, and let me know and i just remember being like wait that's it like <laughs> like that's yep. the only expectation of me and i went and met the other guys that i was going to be with as a data officer at the time, I was part of the SPI cell, the systems yeah. planning and engineering cell, right? Like, I think that's still a thing. But, uh, you know, and I met these two other dudes who were just, in my experience, because um, I was the the second youngest in my entire warrant officer class at 270. Oh, nice. Like, I was still a really young Marine at the time. Uh, you know, there was like these crusty old dudes who were just super <laughs> awesome and chill and smart. But also, you know, their pace of life was so slow. Oh, and I was yeah. like, wait, what is this? And it was the best training for me on how to be in the outside world i think because it was it's all on you right you're given this very high level compass heading and as a warrant officer especially in the cyber field you know it was no one knows what you do right you know we might as well be magicians walking around with wizard hats on you know yeah and you know so it's just like hey kid you know here like let us know when you're done pretty please with cherries <laughs> on top is kind of what it came down to and i just remember how awkward that was at the time yeah. what an incredible shift in transition that was but but great, you know, like I want to succeed and fail on the merits of my own efforts and all those kinds <laughs> of things. I love the meritocracy of that sort of life. Um, yep. And, you know, you can't escape the lineal number as an officer, no matter what you do, even as a warrant no. officer, it's, it's yeah, it time matter. in served. Right. But but yeah. I did like that the actual work that you did was very, uh, very much based on a meritocracy. So that was cool. No, absolutely. I will definitely agree with you. And I will use some terminology from your guys's podcast. I will double click. Oh, yes. On double double that, click <laughs> yeah on that becoming a restricted officer 100 set me up for better success for my transition out of the oh, yeah. marine corps for sure like completely because it allowed me to be the regular dude that i know i am that i because i didn't have to worry about like the bureaucracy side or the political side of being an, an enlisted marine and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because obviously like that's one thing that the marine corps is oh no for, yeah right but what i will say is I got more achievable work done because I could just be a regular dude and talk to people 
regardless of rank, whether it was mm-hmm. private or PFC, whoever to Colonel, yeah. whoever. And Ward also is the great equalizer of conversation oh, starters. Everyone's like, man. oh, hey, what's up? Everyone loves you, right? It's yeah. It's crazy. Because I, I broed all the enlisted dudes, right? Uh-huh. Like, I would, like, yep. hey, man, like, bro, like, dude, like, yeah, come on. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, and I wouldn't serve sandwich all the unrestricted yeah. officers. You know what I mean? But it definitely allowed me 100% to get ready for my transition in the mm-hmm. civilian life and, and working in the civilian sector where you're not around veterans all the time and all that stuff, right? Like, yeah. Because you just learn how to be a regular person again. Yeah, that, that's really what it comes down to. The, the This is unfair to every single leader and every single enlisted person, but the level of micromanagement goes way down. That's oh, the absolutely piece, right? Does. And and not not trying to use that term as a pejorative here, just saying that you have to do that when you have that many humans and oh, yeah. you're trying to organize that much chaos in any given day. And, you know, you got to account for all types, shapes, sizes, all the things that you, you have in a leadership style and everything else. It's just different. Yeah. But in that warrant officer field, you know, you're just like, yeah, you're expected to be an adult. You've, you're on your second, third, fourth enlistment. You know, it's like yeah. they, they know the system. And again, like, you know, if the warrant officer isn't the tip top PT guy or, or gal, you know, it's like, no one cares. You know, it's like, yeah. cool, they're a warrant officer. Like, it, are you doing your job? Which is right. really interesting because it's very rare in the military, I think. Yeah to be judged really based only on, are you doing your job? Absolutely. Because as enlisted, that's one thing that I thought the the culture should have changed a little is because they cared more about the Marine Corps side of you than they did your actual MOS side, the technical side or proficiency mm-hmm. side. Because we've seen it, like we all seen it. And I'm, I don't know how it is in the other branches, but we've seen people get promoted to the next rank that are not very good at their job. But they're good at like the service the marine stuff, stuff. That's right? right. The marine yeah. stuff, yeah. and seeing some guys that are some of the best data marines that I've ever encountered, but couldn't get promoted because they were mediocre, right? That's like they met, stuff. they yeah. were above the minimum yeah. requirement, but that's not how the Marine Corps looked at it. Like, yeah, yeah. like oh yeah, you pass, but you still suck because you're not first class, right? Like. Yeah, exactly. Just like if you don't put in the effort on the range and you don't put in the effort on the PFT, it, you just can't overcome that sometimes. Yeah, it, and it doesn't matter how good you are at your job. Yeah. But what I will say is, like you said, is becoming a like a warrant officer, that completely flipped. Yep. Right. It was more about do you know your job and can you provide that capability at the highest level? Right. Doesn't matter what you shoot on the range. I don't care what you run on your PFT. Yep. Can you do your job at a high level? Because that's what matters right now. Yep. I, I think it's very akin to when you're deployed as well. Oh, because yeah. I feel like when I, I did my my first year long deployment, I was still enlisted. And I feel like that's how it was once you were in country or on site or whatever. It was oh, like yeah. all that, you know, you know, you need to PT was sort of said, but unless yeah. you were looking fat in the chow hall, no one cared, right? As long yeah, as your right. physical appearance looked generally even okay yeah it was what are you doing your job you know are yep. you helping out are you making other people's lives easier are you helping the, the effort right you helping stay yep. in the fight you helping others stay in the fight that's all that mattered yep. and i think warrant officer makes that a full-time job instead of just a deployment job oh 100 i i agree with that and i think this this conversation has made it a good segue into the to the next question but what have you taken from your time in the marine corps that has helped you get to where you are today oh I man mean, you, a, you've hit yeah, a little broad. bit of it you've hit a little yeah. bit of it but what are some of the key key points or some of the main factors that have helped you get to where you are today? Yeah. All right. So for anyone listening to this podcast, that's not in the military, 
Um, not hundred percent sure, John, where your demographic skews, but I imagine most I do. Are. I do have signed non-veteran listeners, okay, okay. non-military listeners. Yeah. So I interact all day, every day, and have for the last many years with with overwhelmingly non-military folks, and especially uh, a lot of folks who I may be their first or only experience with somebody who's you know been to combat and you know right. been deployed and you know spent more than their token amount of time in the coast guard or whatever you know it's right the it field is not vet heavy if right. i have to put a, a a real and that's maybe an oversimplification i'm sure areas that could be wrong my experience is that it's overwhelmingly not vet heavy and the leadership training that the average marine gets even like a junior enlisted marine is so detailed and superior to anything that anyone in the civilian sector is going to get yeah. Um, I'll give a super generic example here, but when most people that I see get promoted from what we call an individual contributor, someone who's not managing people to a management position, it's usually like a promotion. Here's the new title. Here's the new pay. Here's who reports to you. Good luck and Godspeed is, you know, there's no Man. training, you know, that a very, very few companies We'll do any formal training for you. Even right. when I was at Google, you know, there was like an online course you would take on becoming a manager that was, you know, produced by Google and things like that. Right. But I mean, it, I, I swear that was maybe eight hours and it was all self-paced. And yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm all about, you know, online learning and learning online, especially in the tech fields. Yeah. I feel very strongly that you will never teach someone to be a good manager by having them watch a video and do a test at the end of it ever. Full stop. Right. right. I agree. I am not a fan of like, take this course and you will be a good manager. Um, but that's pretty much the standard fare in the outside world. And you'll have the same boss in the outside world for a, a while. Right. And it really yeah. depends on what your boss's career path or your people manager's career path is going to be. So when you go to corporal scores, right, the very first thing, right, you've already had to take all the like distance education, yep. you know, learning for Marines and, yep. and, you know, and all those kinds of uh, PME courses as a junior enlisted Marine. And you go to corporal's course and it's two and a half weeks. Yep. I think mine was maybe three weeks at the time or something. Yeah, I think mine was like three or four weeks is yeah. before they started changing, like yeah. the way like the then, the course content. Yeah. And it's like, and the next time you get promoted, you go to staff or you go to sergeant's course, yep. which was like four to six weeks. Yep. And then you get promoted to staff start and you go to staff academy and staff academy was like long for me. Yep. I did it over in Okinawa, you know, and, and it's like, there's so much organization and, and structure to that training. And you do it in a group setting. And with people who have been in the service a long time, there's so much availability oh, of yeah learning about leadership and about the the management of humans yeah. that is really difficult in the outside world to compare against. And the second sort of piece of that puzzle for me is that every formation that you went to as a military person, you got like between four and six examples of different leadership styles. Oh, absolutely. Right. And like, oh, there's Staff Sergeant so-and-so from Alpha Platoon. And oh, there's Staff Sergeant <laughs> from Charlie Platoon, you know. And you're like, oh, yeah, that that person's a butthead. And oh, that person's awesome. <laughs> you know, I wish I was in Charlie <laughs> Platoon or whatever. But that that amount of feedback about yeah. leadership styles and what's effective is unparalleled. Like, I learned so much about how to be a good leader and, and not to sugarcoat it too hard. Like, and also how to be a really bad leader. Like, I oh, saw yeah. examples of all different shapes, sizes, and types, right? But every, like... Friday formation, I got more examples of leadership than most people will get in years right? in a civilian sector, right? 
And, and there's no quality control in most jobs that I've seen for pure leadership capability in like early to middle management. Most companies are like, here's the promotion. Congratulations. Those people report to you on Monday. Good luck. And it's really hard because if, if I put you on the spot right now and say, if you want to teach someone to be a leader today with a civilian leadership course, where do you send them? Um, I would start with some books first. Sure, sure. And right. so we go back to the distance education. Stuff, <laughs> that is true. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Right. But then like when you want to quote unquote send yeah. a manager to corporal's course, where do you send them in the civilian yeah, world? There, There isn't anything. Right. So I've I've had to do a, a weird amount of uh, research and introspection on how to effectively do this. Uh, we, we recently promoted a really strong individual contributor that uh, wants to be a people manager in my day job. Amazing guy tons of potential. And we found basically a higher education, like leadership course that's in oh, person nice. near where he lives at like a college. Nice. Right. So we're, we're, we petitioned to the company to get some extra uh, professional development credits for, for this person. And we're sending like effectively sending them to school. Right. That's amazing. It's a, yeah. It's long. Don't get me wrong. It's like two semesters to go through it. And, and yeah. you, you know, you don't, you don't get a degree at the end to get a certificate, which it's fine. Right. It's the, yeah. the trigger time, so to speak. Right. It's the face to face. It's the interactivity and mentorship. Right. I have, I am extremely lucky to have some of the best leaders I've ever served with, uh, <laughs> ever <laughs> worked with. Sorry. I'm like defaulting back <laughs> to military mode. No. Uh, on my team right now, uh, my, my cadre of people managers that that report to me are incredible. Uh, you know, no notes. They're they're wonderful humans. They take care of their people. They're incredibly technically deep. They have ultra high EQ. Like I've gotten stupidly lucky in my hiring of managers. And you know, w w our primary focus is to take care of the people that we have. Right, take care of your Marines. Um, right. I, I truly think that way still to this day. Th that's the pieces of it. So leadership is good and. When you have to lead people and you can't promote them, you can't give them a raise and you can't fire them, uh, you are forced to develop very useful skills. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, in insanely useful skills, right? When I see anybody in the hiring loop that was an NCO or above in any branch of the service, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm, they're getting top of the list from my perspective yeah. because they already know the basics. I know that they're Odds of being a uh, leadership challenge, I'm using massive air quotes here with my fingers, <laughs> uh, are extremely low. And, you know, people management wise, they're going to be great. Yep. So that's that's like the first thing is uh, leadership styles. And I still recommend to people to go read the MCDP publications like MCDP 1, MCDP 7, MCDP 1, 4. Like these are books that I have on my shelf yep. still, right? Like, um, oh, yeah. I got, I got some right up there too. It, exactly. Like <laughs> I got out of the military and sort of like purged all my military books. And yep. over time I've like recollect. I don't know if you know this, you can buy these books off Amazon. So I, I yeah, you right? know, go to Marine Corps press and you can buy the whole set and all these things. And I still read them. Like my, my copy MCDP one and MCDP seven are heavily highlighted. Uh, and I reference them but, all the time. But I think they're a great foundation for leadership. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I think what the, like at least what the Marine Corps has done at least for me, and it sounds like for you too, it's like they gave me a great foundation to build how I want to be a leader, right? Yep. They gave me the basic tools on how to be a leader, how how to not just manage people, but how to grow people, right? Because that's that's a yep. big difference too. Like, yep. yeah, you see a the lot mentorship of mentorship aspect, right? Because yep. it's 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 easy to manage people, right? Like, in the in the true sense of the word, just manage people. Yeah, it's easy to just report on someone's status. Right, will, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, right. yeah. But if you're mm -hmm. not ensuring that their growth 
is happening, that their well-being is happening, right? Like, then what are you actually doing to not just for that person, but just even your company as a whole, right? Because if you grow that person, like, yeah, they may move on to something else, but at the same time is like the, the greatest saying is like, what if we teach this person all this stuff and then they go move on to another company? Well, what happens if we don't and they stay here? Yep. Right. Like that's, I've, I've looked at that ever <laughs> since I've been in the Marine Corps. Cause it's, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. Right. Like, why would I not want to grow somebody to be the best person at whatever job they're doing, where they're at now? And if they are to a point to where they now can go be better somewhere else, that means you did your job as, as a that's leader, right? right? That's like, right. that's all that means. Like, when I do interviewing with people and we hire folks, uh, that's one of the biggest conversations that I have with them is I say, look, you and I are not going to work together for the rest of our lives. It is <laughs> statistical certainty. You know what I mean? Right. That that we're going to work together for a while, right? And that may be months, that may be years, that may be whatever timeline, but at some point we're each going to go a different direction one way or the yeah. other. And my overwhelming hope is that I have set you up as best I can to be successful in whatever that next step is, right? Yep. I want that next step to be here, you know, where right. the company that I'm at, uh, you know, I want to continue to grow, I want everyone on my team to continue to grow. And there is a, um, a mental shift that a lot of people have to have where whenever someone comes to me and is like, I want to go to this team, I want to move to a different organization or something. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, how do we, how do we make yeah. that happen as soon as possible? Right. Or, Hey, you know, in our bi-weekly mentor sessions that we have, I'm going to start talking to you about like, great, you know, six, 12 months down the road, where do you see yourself? And how do we like put the chess pieces on the board now to make that happen? Yep. And I see the flip side of that often, right. Both in my job and out of my job, which is the, like, what are you taking my people for? Or like, if I give that person up, I got to go hire and retrain. And I'm like, yes, you do. And what yeah. a first world problem that is. Like, what a <laughs> right? privilege to be able to, uh, you know, level up the humans that you work with and make yeah. their quality of life better, put more food on their table. Like you are winning as a leader, as a manager, whatever you want to call it, right? As, as the mentor, you are winning when you help people outgrow where they are with you. Yeah, right? that's That's Absolutely. the best. That's, that should be part of everybody's mindset and what they see as their job as a manager, right? Not just a people manager. And that's all they do is say, okay, you yep. work this shift and this is the things that you do. And that's all I care about, <laughs> right. you know, like they should be wanting to grow that person to either yep. one, take their position because I'm trying to grow as that manager to take my, my boss's job, right? Because depending on my, my career path and, mm -hmm. and promotion path within the company or trying to go to a different company, maybe with a higher, like a higher position. But like, that's how that, that's how everyone should try to look at things when they have people that report to them. Yep. I, I can't agree more. I, but I definitely know that's not always the case, especially in the civilian world, I will say. Yeah. I think it's funny that it's so ingrained in the military and it's for a very yeah. different reason, right? It's like, what if you get hit by a bus? You know, that's the old right. moniker. It's like, what yeah. if a mortar comes through your tent, you know, and then you're right. gone. Like what you can't make yourself the single point of failure. You can't be the senior guy with the secret, right? Like all those old yeah. military euphemisms come in, uh, but that applies every single day. Um, oh, absolutely. I think it's, I think that should apply more in the civilian world because guess what? Like if you're on contract, you only have a, a lot of amount of hours that you can work during the week, right? That's right. Oh, by the way, at 4 p.m., because I'm not saying 1600, like, I'm done. Don't call me. You know what I mean? Like, there's a mm -hmm. lot of jobs that are like that. Like, so that's why they're, 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 you have to, you have to provide growth and you have to encourage growth, right? Yep. You have to. 
and in the civilian world, there's this concept that I have taken or, or not concept, but phrase called giving away your Legos. Uh, I, okay. I literally just Googled this because I needed to make sure I give appropriate credit here, but it comes from a, a book written by Molly Graham, um, who worked at a bunch of the Fang companies. But, but basically to say, as you're part of a growing organization, very, very regularly, you need to be giving away all of your jobs yes. and leveling up people below you so that you yourself can level up as the company grows, right? The CTO that I work for right now, really, really smart, intelligent guy, always tells me if you're in a growing organization and you're staying in the same spot, you're winning. You know, <laughs> like as long as you're not moving farther down in, in yeah. the structures as everything grows, like it, it can sometimes take all of the effort that you have just to stay in the same spot in an organization as it's doubling right. or tripling or 10xing. And yeah. that is just massive experience building and, and time compression algorithms. But that's a piece that I'm always kind of thinking about is how do I give away my Legos? And if I'm focusing on giving away my Legos and training the people who report to me to do the jobs that I do, my hope is that my boss is also going to work on giving away his Legos. And, and we all sort of, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats as we move forward. And I tend to find, at least in, in military leadership, that when you find a really good leader in the outside world, man, attach yourself to them and yes. and ride that wave because I, I have seen this over and over again that there are definite clicks in the civilian world, right? Where someone goes to another company and four or five people go follow them. And, yep. and more often than not, I've seen these really good IT leadership organizations where it's like the same group of people who have worked together for like four or five jobs. Right. It's really strange. Like That's this crazy. is the franchise team, you know, that like they just bounce from company yeah. to company, taking button, taking names. And, and, you know, you got to find those situations and help up-level those people. Uh, the more time I spend in the weeds and the tactical of my job, the less valuable I am to my team, right? right? Firefighting is not valuable to the growth of the organization, but the more I give away those Legos, the more I empower people below me to be closer to the decision-making and then have the speed of trust and the authority to go make the right call for the right reason at the right time, the more I can sort of like zoom out and, you know, pick my head up and look around and see, ah, th there's a problem that's going to be facing the team in a week, a month, a year. I really need to address that so that when it, when that wave hits the boat, I don't know, this metaphor sucks, but when that wave hits the <laughs> boat, we're all ready for it. Right. And so right. that's the best way that I can prepare my team is Change is the only constant that we're all going to see no matter where we are. And how do I try to big blue arrow my way to victory with those changes so that my people are less disrupted and or better set up for success? Right. No, I 100% I agree. And I started, I think, as as a warrant officer, that, that being a warrant officer gave us the ability to do that mm -hmm. and not have people that work directly for you all the time, right? Like just your 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 umbrella or your, your net of influence that you had Oh yeah. As a warrant officer with the with the Marines within the battalion or squadron or wherever you were at, if you were the good one, right? If you were a good one, like because we all know that that not not all are good, just like with any yeah, man, 80 20 rule, 80 20 rule, right? Credo principle um, to everything. That's right. But you know, your your net of influence was I thought I think was much larger when I was a warrant officer than it was when I was enlisted, right? Because like honestly, I would start having people from other units asking me questions you know, call and asking questions mm -hmm. because of something they heard from their buddies that are part of the unit that I'm at, you know, or you build a document or a PowerPoint presentation with right. your name on it or something. And it gets shared right. around and all of a sudden you got people calling you. Right. That stuff was crazy. Like I, I wrote this white paper with McTissa about how to do multicast uh, routing for like UAV feeds across oh, different nice. camps. 
it was super fun. And then this really great dude from McTissa came out to uh, Afghanistan when I was there and we wrote this white paper. And I swear five years later, when I was getting out of the military, I had people after I got out tracking me down on LinkedIn and want to ask me questions about that white paper. And I was that's like, that's crazy. Crap. You know, and like people in the army and the air force, yeah, like it wasn't crazy. Marines. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like that, that impact that you can have as a warrant officer. That was one of my best. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole gig. Oh yeah. That Same here. You could, you could publish something or write something or, or not really make a decision. That's a bad way to describe it, but you could share yeah. knowledge in a Absolutely. way that was, just completely out of the realm of reality for me as an enlisted person. Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah. I, I think, and, and again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, like being a, being a warrant officer help with the transition in the civilian world, like as a warrant officer is where I shaped my leadership style and almost oh, yeah. perfected it in a sense. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of John C. Maxwell. Um, oh, I have a number of his books on my shelf right here. Yep. Same here, dude. Um, <laughs> 360 Leader was probably one of my favorite books of his. Um, that one and then Developing the Leaders Around You. Those are mm-hmm. the two that I use the most on top of the foundation the Marine Corps gave me for leadership. Oh, yeah. yeah. To, to almost perfect my leadership style and my philosophy. And I think being able to do that and think outside the box and not just what you've learned at to be a leader mm-hmm. in your service, right, is extremely important. And because if you only focus on the leadership or the, what you've learned as a leader in your service, yes, you're still going to be successful on the outside. But at some point, you're going to hit a wall and you are going to turn quickly into a people manager only. Yep. Um, because nobody's going to want to listen to you anymore. Depending on the service, I don't know what, it, what other services like their leadership philosophy or like their cadre or curriculum looks like right like their their professional uh, education but i know for a fact like in marine corps if you only know that and you don't look and you're not you do not try to expand on that to make your own yes you'll still be successful but at the same token people are not going to want to work for you yeah right because i've seen it even happen still in the marine corps where people don't want to work for you because that's all you know right but we yep. have to, but you have to because of where you're at, right? I think there's a difference though between the, in especially the military, like everybody knows who the crappy leaders are. Oh, absolutely. Right. And you may have to them. work for them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, you can't hide that. That's no. the beauty is that when you're surrounded by this high bar of leadership, you can't hide crappy leadership. No, Everyone will know. Now, yep. you know, you can't fire somebody. So again, no. it's a situation where, you know, we all met the real crappy staff and, and CEOs. You know, they stay around long enough and do the right things. They're going to get promoted as a crappy leader it, anyways. Right. Exactly. But because everybody knows there's this sort of, um, everybody's willing to chip in to shore up that gap. Yep. Right. Like leaders from other platoons or other squads or other, you know, organizations, whatever you want to call it, will sort of step in to buffer that. Yep. And they'll oh, open up lines of communication with the people that are on that team. And it's not meant as subversion and, right. and it's not subversion. It's simply, Hey, there's a gap over here. We're just going to help, right? Those yeah. Marines deserve good leadership. We're going to give it to them. I did that a lot as a chief warrant officer, right? Yep. Like I would like, oh yeah, I would say, Hey guys, like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, here's my card. Here's my number. If you guys need yep. anything or have questions, yep. call me. I don't care what time it is or what you're working on. That's call right. Me. Like, um, I hey, like, I, I want to double click on something really quick before we switch yeah. topics because you and yeah, I yeah. both mentioned it. Um, John C. Maxwell is one of my favorite, uh, leadership authors. Yes. Um, and for anyone on the cast who hasn't read any of his books, uh, he has a lot of books. I mean, it's, um, it's a, it's a whole complex of commerce, uh, the John C. Maxwell brand, 
Yes. Uh, I recommend everybody that wants to get into this read Leadership Gold. It's a it's sort of yeah. an anthology book that has, yeah. uh, I think it's like 29 topics that he dives into. And I think he has literally a book on each one of those topics. Uh, and I just went to his website where there is 120 items in the books category. So that's just nuts. Uh, so yeah. the, the two that you recommend that I've read, they're really good, but I start everybody that I can on Leadership Gold. And if you like what you read in Re Leadership Gold, that sort of gives you the primer of where to go. And I'm also a huge Patrick Lencioni fan. Okay. Um, uh, the, the five dysfunctions of a team and the advantage are two of my- I'm really about to look into those. Yeah, yeah send me the, those links and I'll make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes yeah. too. Yeah, th those are really good as you're starting to get into more executive leadership and sort of yep. company shaping. Those books yep. are really, really powerful. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, though, could be read by anybody. Uh, it's sort of a, for, for all the tech nerds that aren't here who read The Phoenix Project, uh, it's like that. It's a it's a novel, like a small novel that tells the story awesome. that applies the principles to it. Yeah. Uh, really, really well written. But yeah, got to double click on John Maxwell. Yeah. Great, great author. Um, uh, John C. Maxwell also, they, they, him and his team, they have two different podcasts that they publish. Mm -hmm. um, the Maxwell Leadership Executive Podcast and then just the the Leadership Podcast. Both of them are awesome. I subscribe to both of them. They they are awesome. Like they do, I think, two or three times a week, they'll release something. And then they like, because it's like with their leadership program that they have, they have like workbooks and stuff like that to go through. And they'll go through some of those workbook pages on, on their podcast as well. I think it's, a, it's really cool. I, th I like it. I think it's really That's good. awesome. So now kind of switching gears and getting more talking about technical stuff now, what is your favorite subject or thing to work <laughs> on? Oh, uh, yeah. Not, not even, it, it may not even be current, right? It could be anything, or you can give something from the past, from when you were in, what was one of your favorite things? And then kind of through the stages of, of your career to now. Okay, so... I'm going to answer this in a couple of different ways. Okay. One of my favorite parts about working in cloud is that there is an infinite surface area of learning. Okay. Like no matter what I do, there is a really, really low probability that I become a true expert in any particular area. Right. And is it is an absolute metaphysical impossibility that I become an expert in all areas. I mean, man, it, it's probably an absolute impossibility that I become even knowledgeable in most areas <laughs> because there's just so much to do. Oh, yeah. From a like pure hands-on keyboard technical nerdery perspective, my passion is always orchestration and automation. Okay. So how do I take this like complicated thing and just make it a one button, boop, you know, that tells me yeah. when it works and tells me when it breaks. Uh, automation is huge for me. And in the, it, to, to do a callback earlier, my, my job in 2023, at my company is taking on an increased ownership of automation within the company, which oh, is really nice. cool. Uh, I've got an architect that is on my team who is a genius at software development and software design who built this prototype of this automation tool for us that takes a really complicated part of our job and makes it really simple. That is uh, awesome. And like puts guardrails on it. And it's this, and anyway, this guy's name is Rick. He's amazing. Uh, like seriously, I hope Rick listens to this because he's uh, one of the most <laughs> amazing architects I've ever worked with. He is the smartest software development person I've ever worked with in my entire career. That's Watching awesome. him work is crazy. I do wish that he would stop working at like 10 o'clock at night, I, I, <laughs> but, but like, you know, everyone's got their, their, their oh, yeah. system. Um, so I love that. But the thing that I get the most joy out of, and also that I find the most challenging in almost every way is helping companies figure out how they're going to do their cloud adoption. And you'll hear this as like cloud migration or digital transformation. There's all these sexy marketing buzzwords around this, <laughs> but you know, Hey, my company runs in a data center or in a colo or 
on a cloud provider that we set up in 2012. Right. You know? And, and I keep reading all these articles. That about, really isn't like, cloud anymore. Right. Like if you think about yeah, it it's, in, a, it's, in a sense of cloud, what it is today. Yeah. And, and you know, there's this infrastructure as a service platform, as a service, you, right. know, you go up, up the chain on the sort of compute stacks and the orchestration yep. layers and things. And yeah, that stuff was just infrastructure as a service. That was like, 100%. I need server, please give me server. Right. Or I need <laughs> yep. digital router, please give me digital router. Yep. But as we start getting into how do you develop like a cloud native application? How do you build, you know, something that's a hundred percent serverless and is using stateless data sets on the back end and, you know, is cost optimized and you can actually train somebody how you built it as you're hiring new people on your team and all these things. It's a lot less about the technology and it's a lot more about the people in the process side of things, right? You, you always okay. hear this in the IT space, people, process, and technology. Well, yeah. I'm I'm here to tell everybody the technology is the easy part. Like I could go buy a book and read it over a weekend and know the yeah, tech yep. pretty good. But you and wanna... oh by the way, reference the book when I need to to get answers. Yeah, as exactly. Well, right? like... Yeah, exactly. But when you've got a, you know, I don't know, a senior technical person who doesn't want to spend money on cloud, right? Yeah. Or who just doesn't know it, and you have to influence them. I I yeah. find the people process part to be the most challenging. Because you have to really, you know, it's 4D chess. Oh, yeah. Um, but also the most rewarding because when you can help a company, uh, you know, from one person at an organization to an entire, you know, multi thousand person company, figure out how to level themselves up and help them on that journey. That is the most valuable and meaningful thing to me. We, we have a, a very large customer, the company that I work for, where my first day on the job, they were literally like, great, you're here. This project started today. You're now the head architect. And I was like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> you know, there was no, there was no, let's tell you what's going on. It was like the meetings in two hours here. And and there's now 25 people. Yeah, and go, right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh God. And we just completed like a two, almost two and a half year journey with them to move this giant data warehouse that they had from an on-prem like bunch of servers being managed by a big infrastructure team yeah. to 100% running on on Google Cloud and it's just been wild like the leadership team is mostly the same the like technical execution team is mostly the same and like the difference in their life outlook from the beginning right. of this project where their hair was just on fire every day and they were super nervous to the like hey we found out that we can you know squeak another eight and a half percent cost savings by setting it up this way like isn't this cool and we already rolled out the terraform and we already implemented it and we ran a demo God, for a couple of days and it looks great you know and, and like a team of two did it you yeah. know it's like it's this tiny little thing that piece of it to me is the most impactful now it's also insanely challenging because you have politics you have social engineering which is my very nice way of saying like people influence right yeah um, oh yeah uh at every level every right in every At context, every right? level, right? And you got to know how to talk to the C level tech person yep. way different than you talk to the C level finance person, way different than you talk to the line level manager who's going to be, uh, you know, executing the thing that you're planning in yep. somewhat of a vacuum for them because you've seen it and they haven't kind of thing. Uh, or the person who's got to sign the statement of work, you know, it's just, it's this incredibly complicated motion with so many cooks in the kitchen. And to try and get a meal to come out on time that tastes good <laughs> is is just, you know, like, woo, victory, baby. Like your hands in the air, everyone's high-fiving. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun. That When I worked at Google, that was my favorite part of the job was, you know, you sort of parachute in to these 
places where people are struggling to implement the technology and you get in there and you know you you sort of walk in the room is like hi i'm the expert on the technology then you immediately go and none of that matters let's talk about the complicated stuff let's talk about the people process first and and everyone goes wait what and then by the end they're like oh you know everyone does the 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 slow nod as you're you know (laughs) implementing and rolling things out which is great so that's my favorite piece of it um and not to get too far down the the same well-trodden rabbit hole of leadership but watching my team do that yeah that's the key right um i am a big fan of training uh i i run this program at my company called nerdy selling skills for people who want to sell good which is uh you know a a blatant rip off of the zoolander uh joke but we basically say okay great let's let's just level everybody up on how they present how they talk to customers and and deliver messages of a variety of sorts everything from you know, how to introduce your peers on a call in the most effective way to how to deliver really bad news to how to sort of firefight in the moment, like how to triage. And uh, we've done two seasons, 10 episodes per season. And I'm going to work on season three, probably launching in February or March of this year. So like it's coming with the explicit and express goal of just leveling up how much I can push down and say, I, we've trained you on how to do this. Go try it out for a while. Right. Right. And see how we can all sort of get better at that people process side of the house. Dude, that's awesome, man. I would definitely say like, I like being techie and I like being nerdy also, you know, like for whatever reason, virtualization and storage are like what's the most intriguing oh, yeah. to me because there's so much that you can do with it. Yeah. Right. I can virtualize a network. I can virtualize a server. I can virtualize just this application only if I wanted to. Right. Or just this process. Right. Depending on what I'm doing. But I think, my favorite thing that I got to do so far, it was only in, it was in the Marine Corps. I haven't got to do it outside yet, but again, I've only been out for six, yeah. seven months now, right? Give it so, time. Yeah, exactly. Teaching, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 as an instructor at our MOS school, that was by far one of my favorite and probably most rewarding times. See, like taking a class of 30 Marines, brand new, didn't know anything about it whatsoever <laughs> yep. right and you have 89 training days to make them the best systems administrator or, or network administrator that they can be so they can be actually usable once they get to the fleet right and seeing it from day one to the when they graduate just the flip and that switch that light comes on that that light moment that you see during during that um curriculum like during that that class like that was probably the most rewarding thing ever. And I, I truly, I enjoyed teaching. Being in a classroom was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely want to try to get into a gig where I get to still, where I get to do that again. But that, that was a lot of fun. And, and like I said, it, it was rewarding. Like, yeah, I like doing planning and designing networks and architectures and stuff like that. But, and seeing those come to fruition and actually provide a capability to a customer, mm-hmm. like that's, that's phenomenal too. And I really do enjoy doing that too. But teaching and growing the next generation is probably my favorite thing to do. What's crazy about that too. You mentioned the 89 training days. You know, if you were, you went to a IT company and you said, I'm going to take somebody that doesn't <laughs> even do IT in your organization. Doesn't yeah. do IT at all. Right. Can't spell computer really. Right. And in 89 business days, I'm going to put them in charge of your infrastructure. They would freak out. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. And it's like, no, that's that's literally how we do it in the military, right? Like yeah. that person could get orders to a victor unit and be responsible yeah. for the network. Like oh, yeah. the I one mean, person who's got 89 training days of experience and they have to figure it out. Like, look, I mean, yeah. let's take me for example. <laughs> literally a year before I graduated graduated MOS school as a as a boot marine, 
I was riding bulls, right? <laughs> Didn't know anything about computers. Yep. I, I knew how to check my email on like the AIM stuff. And like, that was about it. Right. And like get to a couple of websites, but like outside of that, had no clue how to do anything. Couldn't even troubleshoot my own my own uh, computer because I didn't know anything about it. So yeah, like everything I've learned has been in the Marine Corps. But you're right, though. Like taking yeah. somebody like me, who rode bulls, and that's all I did. That's all I cared about prior to coming into Marine Corps. And then by the time I graduated my MOS school, I got to my first unit, and literally within ten days, I was on a field up because I was one of the only network Marines, yep. and I was in charge of our entire like setting up our entire network, like that would be insane to somebody that outside of the military and just doesn't comprehend that. Right. Can't right. comprehend that whatsoever. Absolutely. It's uh the, the like flash to bang ratio of having to learn something and apply it is so microscopic in the military oh, yeah. and, and for obvious reasons, but it, it's shocking when you sort of think about that through the outside world lens now, like, you know, and as you get into more and more companies that you're working with, you're going to see that where yeah. as an instructor, you're going to feel really comfortable saying, yeah, I can take that person and teach them things. And the business around you is going to go, I don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> and you're going to have to, in the most polite and professional way possible, basically be like, hold my beer. I got yeah. this. And if it right. doesn't work, you can blame me. And uh, yeah. I'll talk to you in a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, which is a delicate art. I won't lie. But it's great. Yeah, being able to train that next generation and help those people succeed, it's critical. And since we're on this uh, topic as well, I have found immense joy and privilege in helping, you know, Marines, data Marines and not data Marines uh, who are transitioning out. Uh, anyone who is in my sort of professional network knows if you know of military folks who are getting out and want to get into IT, like have them call me. Yeah, I do a lot of impromptu mentoring and, and homework giving to say, if you really want to get into the space, here's the boxes that you can check, right? You can go take these classes on Pluralsight or Udemy or whatever and watch them yep. at double speed and absorb this as fast as possible. And then you know, once a week, we're going to meet and I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to check your learning real quick. And, you know, I'm not going to give you a test, but I'm sure as heck going to give you a prac app. And and when you can't do it, it's going to keep you up at night and all this stuff. But yep. you can crash course people. I just a couple of months ago hired a, a field radio operator out of the Marines um, on their last day in the military. We gave him a job offer to come work for us. And, you know, they're doing cloud stuff all day, every day That's awesome. as a field radio operator because I worked with them for six to nine months, like more like nine months of basically like every week we're going to talk, I'm going to give you homework and you're going to learn. And, you know, especially as you're transitioning out and everyone gets that like drop in your pack, short timers yep. syndrome, you know, you got a lot of time throughout the day that oh, you're yeah. spending, expanding your knowledge and practicing stuff up. And um, I can promise you that you can access both AWS and Google Cloud's consoles from a DoD network. So, you know, you can you can do a whole lot on that DoD network. I can't help you once you launch applications and need to get through <laughs> firewalls. But then, you know, that's when your phone comes into play. And you just open up a browser and rock yep. on. But yeah, it's it's never been a better time to learn this tech piece. And as someone who has a lot of skill in training that tech piece, you can have an immense influence on those around you. No, absolutely. I, I think that also plays back to the passion of somebody, if how bad do they want it or not? Because you, and again, being an instructor, you, I definitely learned that too. Like not everybody wants to learn this. Not everybody's happy to have, be a data Marine, right? It's not yeah. their first choice in a Marine Corps to be a data Marine. But over time, you, I think you start to learn how to grow that passion or your, or your passion grows some. That helps out a lot too, is if you have the passion. Again, I, I use me that came from being a bull rider to retiring as a chief officer too in our mm -hmm. in a in a very technical and fast paced right. changing right. MOS. Not that, a low G2 skill. Right. And that right. 
if you truly want to do it to do it and you put your mind to it, you can, right? It, it's anybody can do it if they truly want to and have the passion to learn and want to do better, right? Yep. Um, that's what I always told the Marines when I like when I was at um in Lejeune, like, hey, look, like I'm just an old rodeo cowboy from Western North Carolina, man. Like, <laughs> trust me, like, well, I, like, sir, I don't know if I can learn if, this. If I oh, can you do absolutely, it, you, can do it. you yeah. absolutely yeah. can, man. Like, absolutely can trust right. me. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, I no, I always whenever someone says that, I'm always like, listen, people way dumber than you have been successful at this. I am one dude. of them. You know, like right. like it's all gonna work out. Just put the absolutely, time in. man. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think this has been a good conversation to kind of transition into what, ha- like, if for the ones that are listening mm-hmm. that either are currently getting ready to transition or recently transitioned, what kind of advice would you give them yeah. to get to kind of help them with their next chapter? There's a bunch of, and I have this conversation a lot, so I may take this a few different directions as we talk about it. There's never been a time in human history where so much information is available at the fingertips for so little effort. Right. You know, I, I will learn new technologies in a variety of ways. Like I have a subscription to this website called the cloud guru that produces some really good content about cloudy stuff, you know, containers and security and all the different cloud providers. And I think I pay like 300 bucks a year for an annual membership to that. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of money. That's less than a certification test is. But yep. there's just like thousands of hours of content. Um, if there's something very specific that I want to learn, I go to Udemy. I have an account at Udemy and I pay like between, you know, to, I feel like that's one of those, like, it's always 90% off at that time. <laughs> I've never seen anything ever advertised at full price, whatever that is. Right. But, you know, I pay, I pay between 10 and 30 bucks for like dozens and dozens of hours of content to learn stuff. And that's, and that's super cheap. Yeah. I mean, you know, the I always... People are like, oh, that course is expensive. And I'm like, what is the cost per minute of your learning? Right? Like, take the $5 coffee that you would have bought for this week and transition that into a course that you're going to take yep. and brew the coffee at home for a week and like make that your your penance or your sacrifice or whatever, right. atonement, and, and go learn. Because that's the critical element is you have to be able to consume new information. And that can be reading books, reading ebooks, taking a course online, but like, how do you consume the new in your life? And yep. you've got to make that like the lifelong learner concept. And I feel like that term gets thrown around way willy nilly, but like the true meaning of it, the, have you learned anything this week? And if the answer right. is no, like you're wrong, you've got to change that in some way, shape or form. And, and, you know, I apply this to my entire life and you know, my wife will tell you that that is, uh, uh, can be complicated because I'm always sort of like picking up something new and learning something yep. new, but that's because I'm trying to just keep the the brain tissue fresh, you know, I have to, man. Um, yeah, exactly. Like this summer I got into outdoor hydroponic tomato gardening. So like chemicals in water, growing tomatoes on my back deck and the like plumbing and the science and the electronics yeah. of it all. And don't get me wrong. Right. Like I'm probably, I, I grew a bunch of tomatoes this year. But you know, it was probably like thirty dollars <laughs> a pound for those tomatoes at the end of the day. Like it was not cost benefit. It was not because I wanted to be cost efficient with right. eating tomatoes. Is because I I I got really interested in that and was like, oh, I don't know anything about how nutrients grow plants. And right. so I just read everything I could on it. Um, and I'm going to give a trick here for anyone listening. If you want to learn a new topic, I don't care what that topic is, from from gardening to IT to whatever. Go literally find like Google search, like best books about insert topic here yep. right? and, and go read like 
I don't know, four or five different articles that people write because the internet is full of people who just want to tell you their opinion on the best books about a topic and find the like three books that are most commonly recommended, whatever yep. those are, right? Don't go for the fringe, just go for the three most popular ones, right? That have the best ratings on Amazon or however you want to measure success about what a good book is and go read them, right? Just three books and some topics that may be a lot more pages than others, but I promise if you read the top three books on any topic in the world, you will be better than 99% of people in the world at that topic. Yep. Having having no practical application, just having the knowledge of the fundamentals of that thing that you're trying to learn. And then, so that's the read portion because this comes in, this is a two-pronged approach. It's always read and practice, right? Like learn and apply, learn and apply. And that yep. would be uh, ELOs and TLOs if I'm going <laughs> to go all the way back to the instructor days, right? It's the same concept is yep. go read the top three books on a topic and then go do something in that field that proves that you've done it. For, so for that example, I just gave, you know, this is as far from IT as you could be. You know, I read a bunch of things on how to set up a hydroponic tomato garden. And then I had to go build a hydroponic tomato garden. So I had to go right. like, Home Depot and buy a bunch of buckets and plumbing supplies and pumps and like all these things. And I had to figure out that, you know, if you use a clear container to hold your water and it's outside in the sun, it grows mildew in like a day, you know? And so I had to get an opaque container and use the right chemicals now. And just, and, you know, there's this whole thing where I was just constantly getting the crap kicked out of me, right? I was constantly learning. Oh, I screwed this up. Oh, I screwed this <laughs> up. And, oh, I, you know, from everything from like, oh, this is the wrong adapter for this plumbing fixture or whatever, all the way through the like, oh, my chemical ratios off. I, I've seen that now that, you know, the lower leaves are yellowing, which means there's not enough calcium. And, and I got to add a calcium supplement. I don't have any calcium in my house. I got to go find calcium somewhere. <laughs> right. And luckily I live in Colorado where, uh, hydroponic gardening of a different sort is very popular. Uh, and so, you know, I'm the guy walking into all these, you know, um, uh, what's the right way to say this cannabis hydroponic areas. And I'm like, <laughs> Hey, I need X to grow my tomatoes. And everyone's looking to be like, tomatoes, tomatoes, man, like step your game up. And I'm like, shush, shush, <laughs> just, I need calcium. Help me buy calcium. Right. Uh, so it, it was really funny and, and a great learning experience. And now it's winter. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing something different now, but now I'm, I'm doing, uh, I built a really, compact racing simulator in my basement like with oh, a cool. like a force feedback wheel and like wrap around screens and uh i bought the most realistic racing simulator i could so and it's like 60 bucks on steam or something you know and, oh, and dude, that's awesome it it isn't and i'm you enter real races with real people with very physics accurate race cars oh wow and i suck at racing cars like <laughs> holy crap do i suck i'm watching people driving i'm just like whoa you are really good and so i'm enjoying this challenge of getting my butt kicked at racing yeah. these high-end cars and having to learn how to do it you know and you can call me stupid and silly about this but you know i'm like watching youtube videos about guys who are driving virtual race cars on virtual yeah. tracks and getting tips and tricks on like how to approach a turn you know or when the braking line needs to be and where your braking box is and where the apex on this turn is versus the apex. On this. And this is all like stuff I've never had to deal with in my life, but it's yeah. fun because it's incredibly hard. And once you, you know, do a turn eight times and crash into the wall every time, and then you do it right. It's like, Oh, that right? dopamine hit of like, yes, I did it is huge. And that applies to all this stuff, right? The first tomato that came off my tomato plant, don't you're wrong. It didn't taste great, but it was also <laughs> delicious. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like the sweet taste of victory in that aspect. Oh, and yeah. so, I, again, a lot of stories to zoom out. Read and practice. That is the best thing. And there's there's so little holding you back. If a guy with three kids and a toddler who's got a day job and who 
does all this vet volunteering and does runs a podcast and comes and talks on stuff like this and you know all the other aspects of of adult life yep. can still learn a bunch on the reg i promise so can you and it just comes down to like watch one hour less of tv every day and you got 30 hours of training in a in a month right and I'm a big read fan. Like I read before I go to bed and I, I kind of make a, a habit of it. And I read on the weekends and stuff like that. Whenever I have downtime, when my son takes naps and things like that. And I just try to like burn through and just, it's all about the time under tension. It's all about the trigger time of, of learning. Right. Yeah. I, I put my phone down and I pick up my Kindle. And so instead of walking around and, you know, browsing Reddit or whatever on my phone, I'm like reading the book on my Kindle. I'm a huge fan of the Kindle because you can push to highlight with your thumb and then you can go to uh, Amazon's Kindle website and you can export the things you highlighted in one document. So you can Ooh. have like a micro PDF of all the things that mattered to you in a book, like nice. distilled. So it's sort of your own version of Cliff Notes, if you will. I might have to and, go get a Kindle now. Uh, I will tell you, technical reading, it's more difficult because like charts and graphs and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But the Kindle is the greatest invention in the history of learning in, in my experience. Like I get most of my O'Reilly books uh, uh, and PDFs and technical books in PDF or EPUB format and send okay. them to my Kindle. And I read them on that because again, I can highlight. Yeah. And then if I need to like look at a chart, I'll just go over to my computer and pop up the PDF in full form and, you know, blow right. it up and zoom in or whatever. And it's great, but that's exceedingly rare that I need to do that. Uh, I think if you're going to be learning something technical where you have to do a lot of like coding, right. Or like keyboard hacking in some shape or form. Um, I still though, don't want to look at the book and have to like transcribe long lines of code with the PDF. I can just copy paste, highlight right. and drop in. So again, the, the electronic format's great. Kindle's fabulous. I, I cannot stress enough how great that tool is. I, I had a paper white for years and I upgraded last Christmas to the Oasis and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> I love the physical buttons instead of the swipe on screen. So that, nice. that has been my thing. But yeah, so that's my advice to anybody is go take a Udemy course or read three books and then apply practical application to it. People that are learning cloud, the very first thing I tell them is I'm like, go launch me a WordPress website that I can go to a URL and hit. And they go, okay. And it it sounds simple. It is not if you've no, never done it before, right? There's, there's so many elements that you're going to have to bang your head against the keyboard to figure out with that process. And then yep. I, um, I literally have a, I have a huge page and I use a bullet journal and kind of like, that's my life organized in book form. And I have a whole page that's like the cloud mentorship path. And it starts with like launch a website on WordPress. And by the end, <laughs> it's like export the activity logs and detect when someone logs in from this IP. You know, it like gets progressively more difficult right. uh, as it goes. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a a role-playing game level up chart of getting good at cloud technology. And right. it's, it's mostly just based on broad exposure, right? If you've had to do... A website with cloud networking, with logging, with CI/CD, with GitHub, with you know actual coding and changing, with a little bit of graphic design, and you know running it in multi-cloud or running it multi-region. Like you have hit so many wave tops that you'll be able to go look at lots of problems and go, I think I know the basics of how to solve that. And whether or not you know right. the specifics, that's again, you go buy a book, right? You go take a yeah. course, you go watch a YouTube video. Um, it's all that's all that matters. I kind of want to add something that you inadvertently hit on, I think, but I want to make sure the listeners really grasp this is don't be afraid to fail either. Right. Because God, yeah, I'm talking about how they like, time. It, exactly. Like, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important too, is understanding that and not being afraid to fail at something 
Cause I guarantee you, you're going to take way more from that failure. Because like you said, you were, when you started doing the, the hydroponics for the tomatoes, like, Hey, I, 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 I didn't do this. I didn't know I didn't do this. Right. But I figured it out finally. And then you learn more because, Hey, if, if you had done it right the first time, you, yep. there's probably some other things that you learned by failing at the calcium. Then if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have learned. Right. Like, so that's, that's one thing. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Don't ever be oh, yeah. afraid to fail because you're going to fail. It's, it's, it's inevitable. I've, I fail at things, but again, it's all about bouncing back from that failure and pushing through it and being determined to push through it. Right. And, and, and becoming successful. I think that there's a, a flip side to that coin. Failure is this very negative thing in our Western society. And, and I, I think it's it even, even, I think it's even more in the military. Oh yeah. And, right? and in, Eastern cultures, it's nuts too. Like failure yeah. is not an option. Right. Um, it's really, really, really crappy. Um, I, I sort of think this through of I'm just a constant tinkerer. I will see something that's not perfect and I want to yeah. improve it by a few percent, yeah. right? Yeah. In my in my hydroponic garden, you know, you you basically run water over the roots of the plant and then you have right. to have an egress of that water. So it like comes out of the bottom of that plant and then gets recycled back into a reservoir and then pumped back in the top. And that's just it's this circle of water. Right. Um and like, I got the whole thing built and it was fine, but there was like some drips that were coming out of some of the connection points uh, where all this kind of runoff happened. And I swear, man, I spent so much time and effort trying to like eliminate what had to have been in the grand scheme of things, the most microscopic amount of water <laughs> loss and inefficiency. But I learned so much through that process. Yeah. And like, it wasn't broken, you know? Right. But I just was like, that's not perfect. And so I want to try to see if I can improve that and if that will improve other things. And so I don't, you know, there is abject failure. Like I was trying to build a house and it burned to the ground or something, but, uh, you know, cool. But I just think of that as tinkering. Like I, you know, it's not that I failed. It's that the fire suppression system wasn't installed early enough or something like that. Right. right? And, and I love that concept, right? You're going to quote unquote fail a ton at trying to launch something in the cloud for the first time. Right. It's, it's a weird thing. One of my mentors says cloud technology may be the most complicated things that humans have ever produced. It's because it's just so much, right? Yeah. That can impact so many aspects of, of work and life and all these things. But I don't consider that failure because you can't get the website launched. It's just right. you're you're not where you want to be yet. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle here of changing the narrative and the perception of what failure means when we yes. talk about like, don't be afraid to fail. I'm always... Like, don't be afraid to improve everything, right? Don't be afraid to think about doing things better than next time. Cause I don't try to think of something I'm really, really not good at. Like, like playing guitar, right? Like I okay. try to get better, but holy cow, am I not good at playing guitar, you know? So, and I, I do the truth thing. I don't know how to play the guitar. I learn right. how to play a song, right? I go yep. to like a tab website and I'm, I'm like looking at which strings to go on. And I absolutely suck at those songs. Even, even when I'm done practicing for hours, I yeah. still pretty much suck at those. But, you know, I play it the first time all the way through. It takes me 45 minutes, you know, and I'm like, woohoo, yeah. I did it. What now, now time to do it in 30, you know, or whatever, yeah. get a little faster at the strings. And I don't consider it a failure. It's just a, I got to make progress on this. I got to make a little bit of improvements here. And even something that I feel like I should be good at. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to this racing simulator thing that I built. It runs on a windows PC. Oh, nice. And I haven't touched Windows PCs in a <laughs> long time. Uh, you know, in the Google land, I'm all Chrome OS, which 
And and let me just say for anyone listening who uh, is responsible for the development of Chrome OS, that is so easy. Like having to go back to the Windows world and like install a hard drive and format it and install Windows, which feels like it should be so basic to me because that's that's like the early days of my tech. <laughs> Yep. Dude, I got my butt kicked so bad trying to just install Windows That's funny. On, on this hard drive because I kept getting error after error after error. And it became this vendetta for me. It's like, <laughs> I will not let this PC win. You know, I'm going to do it. And so my victory over last weekend was finally successfully getting Windows 11 Pro installed on this computer with like no problems. And, nice. you know, talk about a low bar john but for me i was like this is great you know this is yeah. a new thing i figured it out and i like made progress on it that's all that matters yeah absolutely right like yeah like and when i say failure i don't mean it in like in the traditional sense of failure right like yep. is setbacks and and by definition is failure right but at the same time that's that's not real failure in my opinion like when it comes yeah. like in everyday life but yeah no like always progression always wanting to do better or make something else better or somebody better around you I think that's that should be the goal of everybody because that's just going to make one one it's going to make you better as a person and at your craft and then two it's going to make the team better and ultimately society better right agree agree or at least as better as, as best as you can make it um mm -hmm. okay are there any other topics that you want to talk about outside of your time in the Marine Corps your current position or any IT topics is there anything else yeah I mean we hit it a little bit earlier but you know helping vets transition out of the military and find really good career paths in the outside world is, is pretty much my biggest side passion um, outside of like my family. Uh, right. That's the biggest one that is meaningful to me and something that I like to move the needle on as regularly as I possibly can. If there's anyone listening to this that's in the outside world and is looking to, you know, grow your team or hire folks, if I can just put my finger on the scale a little bit and say, please over index on hiring veterans and helping do career transition for veterans. And if you're listening to this and you're out of the military, find your local veterans group and help do yes. things like, um, and, and again, learn, go read some stuff on this so that you can come to the table with knowledge and, and, you know, the most basic of basics, just being there to chat with somebody once oh, a yeah. week about what they're going through and, and the struggles that they're going to And especially if you've transitioned out and you've gone through the process, or especially if you've transitioned out and have a good career in the outside world and have gone through that process, I promise there are vets out there who are transitioning out right now who would just love to have your ear Absolutely. and who would just love to be able to talk to you about the struggles they're going through so that you can say, no, it's okay. I went through that too. They, like we still need battle buddies in the transition yes, process. hundred percent. I, I think even and, just during the progression too of post post service time, right? Like I yep. even directly after during the transition, but just continued battle buddy Yep. Like, like just having that there, somebody to talk to that understands that that can relate. Right. Yep. So I think, I think that's extremely important. That's one thing I, I've, I've found out is just being there for somebody to talk to is extremely important. I started doing TikToks and stuff and it's, and they're mm -hmm. primarily about um, mental health. And so, cause I started journaling and stuff to help out with my anxiety and everything. Yep. yep. And it turned into writing poems, right? Like, it was That's crazy awesome. too. It, like I started writing, I just, I would write down my thoughts at the time. And then I started kind of talking to, and I started talking and writing about like my time before the Marine Corps, my time getting into the Marine Corps and through the Marine Corps and like how that made me feel and all that good stuff. Right. Like all those things that we've always been taught as not just like Marines, but even as men to just bottle up and not talk about it all. 
right? Depending on like our, our background and, and where we grew up at, it turned into writing poems. I've within the first two, three months of doing it, I probably wrote like four or five poems. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, so like, that's what I do on my TikToks is share my poems with the world, you know? Um, and I've had veterans and, and people come and comment on them and stuff like that, that I've connected with saying that, that, that they can completely relate to my poems and stuff like that. And they like continue what I'm doing. Like, so that in itself right there is rewarding and, and makes me want to do it more. Right. It makes me want to stay connected with veterans. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I'm now, I got um, approved to be an ambassador for mission 22. Don't know if anybody knows about what that organization does. It's a nonprofit and, they provide resources and programs for um, anybody struggling with mental health um, issues. So like phenomenal organization. Um, so look them up. They, they're phenomenal. And like you said, with transitioning or just helping veterans in their career path, um, I'm a board member, voting board member uh, for a nonprofit called uh, Hackers for Vets. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of them, but we provide um, certificates or vouchers or um tuition for them to get certifications and take exams um, to help them get their foot in the door for IT great, or, yeah. or cyber jobs. Right. Because we all know like, to, like for whatever reason, everybody wants somebody to have a certification. Gotta have your cert. Yep, gotta have your cert. Yep. Like, Check in the box. So, I know so many people that have certifications, but couldn't, couldn't do anything or even barely <laughs> talk about yep. it. Right. Like, but with that being a requirement for a lot of jobs and how expensive, like, the well, training go back, right? The cert is just read and practice. That's yeah. all that cert is. It's oh, proof absolutely. that you, you are able to just absorb the knowledge. That's, and that's, really, that's right. really all it is. And, that, mm -hmm. and it's like, that's like having a college education too. It's not about what your degree is in, <laughs> hardly. No. It's about, can I take this amount of time to focus and be able to accomplish something, right? And make yeah. And have can I see something through? I always exactly. tell everybody that a four-year enlistment and a four-year degree are the same exact thing. It's oh, proof absolutely. that you can put up with some crazy BS and yes. and see it through. Absolutely, that's right. So yeah, like for for me and I and and I know for you too because you you talked about it. But just staying connected with the veteran community, hundred mm -hmm. percent has helped me with my transition. Yeah, and and just letting other people talk to you and listening and. And giving some advice, even though I'm not like a certified professional with mental health or anything, but just going through a lot of the same things that other veterans have been through, I yeah, think make you right. And I think that makes you have a friend. Absolutely. And I think that makes you even more capable of providing for that veteran than if you didn't have those experiences and could relate to them. Right. And had a certification in mental health or, or, or something. Right. I think that there's an element to that too, where all the service members go through the transition assistance program, like taps and taps yeah. and tams. Right. And I, I very much respect the challenge of that program, which is you have every type of service member in every type of field. And you're trying to set all of them up with yeah. the same. And, and every level, answer. right. Every rank. In yeah, there, exactly. Right? Every rank. Exactly. And it is just impossible for oh. that program to give you what you need to be successful in Absolutely. your area at your level. Right. So I, one of the very first things that I do is kind of be like, all right, I know you learned a lot in Tap and Tams. I want you to forget the vast majority of that. And let's yeah. talk about what actually matters to you in your field. Yeah. Um, you know, let's rewrite your resume a little bit better than they're going to help you rewrite it, right? Oh, or absolutely. let's, let's they, talk they about- They do a very generic right. uh, like layout yeah. and everything, right? Yep. Like, Yep. So there, there's a lot to it. I, I will even share some horror stories of I've mentored some people who, you know, wrote their resume and had the the- 
person from tap and tam resume coordinator look at it and go there's no way you're ever going to get a job with this as like they have offers rolling in and, and you know it's just yeah. wild degrees of quality control across that whole field so you as the veteran who is experienced in this and has gone through that can be the great equalizer oh, yes. of bringing Absolutely. sanity and real feedback to that Absolutely. service member which augments that training that they got at tap and tam and makes it ap apply to them specifically and helps them use it to get what they want out of their life and improve yes. their quality of life and the quality of life of their family. Absolutely. And then, um, another thing that I, I did or started doing the company I work for, I started or, or helping them create a veteran support program within mm -hmm. the, or like a corporate vetted program that one will help new veteran employees like with their transition from if they're, just now getting out of service and then getting their first job, you know, but also like one of the primary things that I, I preach for that one is bridging the gap between this, the non-veteran employees and the veteran employees. Right. Because I think yep. that's a big thing yep. too, especially the hiring managers and stuff that aren't veterans themselves. And they read somebody's resume and they're like, Oh yeah, this is not what we're looking for, but it is because they're saying the exact same thing, just not yeah. how your company's saying it. Right. Yeah, I the demilitarization of resumes is hard. Right. It, really it is. Hard. It is. Um, and I think coming on the flip side of that, instead of having that service member be the only one responsible for being able to demilitarize it, I think having the, the hiring managers be able to also do it on their side is, mm -hmm. is extremely important because, again, like you said, it, it's almost impossible to completely demilitarize for us, yeah. right? Yeah. Our resumes. Sure. It, it, it is. Yeah. So if, 100%. If, if, I can get where the hiring manager can do that a little bit from when they're reading it and what they're going to say, okay, Hey, my boss, this is what I have for this candidate. Like, yeah, his resume says this, but this is actually what it means. Right. And this yep. is the job that he's, uh, he's applying for. And this is how he can fit into that. Right. Or, or and just her added, into, right? Yeah. Adding yourself as a resource, especially if you have an internal recruiting team or recruiters yeah. that you work with, uh, I do, at so. whatever business you're at, email yep. them and just say like, Hey, if you ever get a military candidate that you, you see a bunch of stuff you don't understand, just call me, right? Yep. Like we'll spend 10 and minutes it, and we'll go through it. And I'll tell you what that means. Yep. And that's like, what I, I'll be your whisperer. <laughs> that's what, that's primarily like one of, one of the responsibilities for me being the president of, of the group is, is being able to do that with, with the HR departments. Cause um, I got brought on for the diversity and, and inclusion. The DI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The NI yep. group. So I'm part of that now for, for the corporate side. And so that's one thing that I told him. I like, look, like I want to be able to do this. I also want, I want to like, I want to hold quarterly meetings where the majority of the veterans, because there's a lot of veterans in our company. Um, I would probably, say, I think they said 44% or maybe it was 54% of the company's employees are veterans, which is quite a bit. And, that's you, don't, awesome. and you don't already yeah. have a support system for them. Right. Like that's crazy to me. So like, that was another reason I wanted to start it. And so like they can come to me and, have quarterly meetings to where I give them updates on VA benefits or things that have changed, mm -hmm. right? Just resources in general that they may not even look at or think to look for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Use those benefits, man. Uh, Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Dude, the VA pays, will pay for your college hundred percent. Yeah. Education I, I, through VA. I'm using it VA right loan, now. Yeah. Two greatest benefits that you can get. Yeah. Absolutely. VR, VR and E for education. That's yep. like, because before I retired, when I was a, still when I was a staff sergeant, I signed my GI Bill over to my kids. Yep. Right. So now that I'm out, I don't have a GI Bill that I can use. So I use the VA. They pay 100% of my tuition right now for my associate's degree. Yep. Oh, and by the way, I get the sergeant's VAH just like I would with my GI Bill. Oh, and they pay for books and supplies. Yep. Right. Like, so use the resources that are there. Absolutely. 
Got any, any last words or any last comments or anything you want to talk about? No, man, this has been a great conversation. Just want to it say has, thanks man. a ton for, for having me on. Uh, oh, absolutely, man. I love honor, nothing dude. more than kind of sitting back and, and shooting the breeze about all these things that are important to the vet community and, and yeah. sharing stories. So uh, always happy to come back. Oh, absolutely, man. Maybe uh, maybe I'll have you come back for my second session. Where we right, strictly, do we don't talk any kind of technical stuff or nerdy stuff. We talk mental health and just oh, people I'd skills, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely, man. I'll, I'll definitely have you on. I'll talk to you later, brother. All right. Take care. Again, I want to thank everybody for listening in to another episode. Uh, I make sure and have Kyle's information in the show notes. And if anybody is wanting to contact the show or want to be a guest on the show, you can send an email to jcole at thebunkhousecast.com. That'll be also in the show notes. Or you can use the link tree link. That's all going to be in the show notes as well. And then click contact. Put your information in there. Send me a little note. I'll get back to it as soon as I can. And again, I want to thank everybody for their support for the show. I can't wait to see what this upcoming year uh, brings out to us. I hope everybody had had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as always, be the light in someone's dark.